In this episode, I'm joined by String Nguyen, one of Australia's biggest LinkedIn influencers and LinkedIn's top voice for 2018. And victory is like, how do you monetize all this? When you grow your influence, you should start monetizing. Do you want to do this full time? Do you want to even like start like monetizing on your content? Think about monetization from day one. With a following of 28,000 people on LinkedIn and millions of views across video platforms such as Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook. Hey, I'm String, a top voice on LinkedIn, and I'm on this book podcast. Welcome to the Digital Marketers Podcast. We'll talk all about marketing, branding, strategy, and advertising with industry heavyweights in Australia and around the globe. Whether you're a business owner going DIY with your marketing efforts, or you're a seasoned pro that wants to deep dive into things like SEO and SEM, we've got you covered. I'm Rice Smith from Spruik Digital. Come with me as we explore the world of digital marketing with some very special guests. String's been dubbed the fried chicken girl for her use of fried chicken in most of her personal branding. The role of a video content strategist is a fairly new term and one that's reasonably new to myself, but being able to deep dive into somebody who is clearly an expert in their field and somebody who has expert experience across Snapchat, Instagram, and now LinkedIn was absolutely fascinating. So how, I guess, how did you get started? Probably should start when I graduated as an interior designer and practicing for a couple of years. And I realized that I hated the nine to five job because I didn't find any creative outlet. So what I did was like, um, just to contextualize, like you call me String, but that's not my real name. Cool name, really great branding name, right? Mm-hmm. But String actually started 10 years ago as an art project when I decided to find creative outlet from my nine to five job to find, you know, be myself and become an artist. Mm-hmm. And so I created all these string installations called String Story. And because uh, in a way, like social media didn't start like to like 10 years ago when you think about it. So I just like started like um, taking all these handles as String Story. And over time, my community kind of started calling, nicknaming me String and kind of stuck. So you've always had that. Um, aspect of creativity and every time I run away from creativity my life goes through the <laughs> so I realized I had to really um, align with and become more mission driven mm-hmm. and increase creative vibes in the world whether it be communicating or helping people sh- you know share their stories better or help them realize their clarity in life as well mm-hmm. and in many ways like stream has evolved from being an art project to coming online because I realized I was really good at social media so when did the digital marketing component of that really come to the fore? I realized an artist, like I was doing great. I was winning a award, exhibiting, went from Japan to Australia, but I wasn't making sustainable amount of money because it's like artists are known to be terrible at business. <laughs> and I realized I had to learn how to be a business if I wanted to be, continue being an artist or a creative. So I was like, I'm going to move to Sydney. And that's when I started getting into community development or community management in the tech space. So that's where I got realized that um, my journey in many ways transitioned from me moving to Sydney to learn business. So my journey started in 2015. Yeah, proper. When I jumped on video. Mm-hmm. So you saw a bit of an opportunity there or, or you were a bit of a first mover, I suppose, making use of that platform when other people probably weren't on there or, or doing much. Yes. And, I, and uh, since I jumped on video, video I noticed was 
go be the next trend. Mm-hmm. So I decided like I wanted like to jump into video and I saw an opportunity in South by Southwest, jumped mm-hmm. onto it and grew a massive following. During that period, did you find that that led to other opportunities? Were you using that platform to help your business or relationships or um, how you did business? Yeah, it really did. Mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot within the six months by creating content, being super engaging, building community around me and building a channel. Mm -hmm. And I was pushing content every day onto that platform. And then I jumped into like more than other 30 platforms in the last couple of years. Wow. um, The most successful one is probably Snapchat. And everyone knows Snapchat, right? Uh, I I helped produce an award-winning Snapchat channel called Women in Tech. I um, flew over to New York and had a, like a selfie with Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah, wow, that's cool. <laughs> he he presented the award. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, uh, that's pretty funny, right? So video has given me a global brand awareness and using having a engaged community allows me to test out my theory about personal branding, brand application, content creation, and interaction with community as well. And and developing community online. Um, and what I learned, I like duplicated into other video platforms. And also I realized like, um, I love Snapchat because the way they did vertical videos, which I feel like is still untapped, but Australia doesn't like to, like it was really hard to monetize actually, unless you're in America. Do you find though that with the vertical video platform, do you think it's a, um, do you think it's a knowledge thing? Do you think it's a, a- sort of issue with being able to find, you know, videographers or content producers that can repurpose content in that format? Why, why do you think that that's not really taken a hold as opposed to, the, you know, the US and the UK? Oh, over in US, because like the um, users there tend to be a lot more mobile friendly and uh, it feels like they have more of a better understanding of digital marketing. So when I was talking to brands, they were ready to help have a discussion already. Whereas in Australia, they mostly focus on conversions because they think marketing is a waste of time. So it's a matter of like language, right? I feel like um, a lot of people were, when I was talking about conversions, they wanted brand awareness. So you have to like be really clear about the, the KPIs and reverse engineer that into the content creation or content marketing or campaigns mm-hmm. because a lot of the times like um, w- when you talk about that uh, video marketing aspect, they probably want to like uh, focus on conversions, but the way they spoke, they wanted brand awareness. So then like um, the expectations becomes, uh, you know, uh, you know, when you do the project, the company wants something else, but they said brand awareness, but actually they want conversion. So the expectations of the campaign could be, they feel disappointed, which is upsetting for me because, you know, I'm all about catering to the clients as well. Absolutely. But if they don't have the right language, it's really hard to create that best campaign if they really want conversions, but they should set that from day one. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's a massive area of opportunity too, though. Um, you know, if we look to the US, for examples, and we know what works and how things are trending, I guess that presents a massive amount of low-hanging fruit, I suppose, in Australia. Actually, when I was actually on Snapchat, Mm -hmm. I was actually planning to switch. The day that I want to quit on Snapchat was the day I want to switch over to Instagram stories because Instagram has a better growth opportunity and I saw the opportunity as well. And now we see, like, that was, like, October last year and 
have you noticed how Instagram is going crazy with vertical videos with IGTV, Instagram stories, and the, and they also have to have ads, mm-hmm. which is great for marketers and brands, right? Yeah. It means like they could hyper-target the right audience and segment audience and give them the best content in terms of driving traffic and conversion. Mm-hmm. So talking video, I mean, where, where do you see Instagram TV fitting in? Because 2018 was supposed to be the year. Probably haven't seen that traction or click-through that we might have expected it's here to stay, obviously, uh, but do you think that's just a lot of catch-up happening again, like you're talking about with the vertical video? Yes. Um, is, is that is that a platform that you would say advertisers or brands need to be looking at now in order to capitalise on, on the platform when it does get big? Well, Snapchat is great for millennials and females, young mm-hmm. females who like entertainment and beauty. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Instagram has a lot more, seems to have a wider audience mm-hmm. or wider mainstream people, whether it be beauty, food, travel, or like uh, entertainment. And for some reason, entrepreneurship is also increasing. Their personal development is really good on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think IGTV is seamlessly integrated onto Instagram properly oh. yet. It feels like it's still isolated and doesn't know how to integrate itself. But it shows what direction Instagram wants to go to because they want people to increase viewing consumption and stay in there. So they probably go develop like mini shows or series onto it so then people consume content on a longer basis. They want you to stay all these social platforms, including LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, they want you to stay on the platform longer. So if I was a brand or, or a business out there and I wanted to capitalize on the new format of video, how would I go about that? Would I talk to a videographer? Would I record it on no, my video- phone? Videographers, like, as a, I have to say, you have to do a video strategist because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, a lot of people don't know how to integrate video into the marketing campaign overall and how to reuse it or how to do campaigns around it. And if I have to say, like, where the trends or opportunity lies, it's Instagram mm-hmm. and LinkedIn. Yep. So talking about LinkedIn, that, that really segues quite nicely into again, how I found you uh, and how quite a few people in the industry that I talk to know about you. What's LinkedIn done for your brand? Congratulations again on being the uh, top voice of 2018. Uh, that would, would have been a nice nice award to get. How has that had an impact on your personal brand and also your business at large? So just to contextualise, top voice is given to top creators in Australia and the world um, to contextualize me, there are 10 million users on LinkedIn and in Pacific Australia, I'm the top 25 creator on, within Australia. Congratulations. And last year I won worldwide. So this is the second time that I won. And two years ago, I never used LinkedIn. It was a resume platform and I, I find it super drab, super dry. But I was invited to be a beta user, test user for video in October last year. And since then, I went from 900 to 28,000 followers wow. because I treated it like a channel. Um, and how did it build? My personal brand, like, skyrocketed. Like, I was already got the momentum already. Um, I was duplicating my model of creating content, being a channel, and being a voice, not an echo, within the platform. And within, like, uh, I stood out really quickly. And plus, a lot of the time, at the start, um, hardly anyone had video access, so I'd monopolize it to build up my 
credibility within as a video innovator on the platform. Excellent. I like that. Being a voice, not an echo. I think that's really quite quite strong that. So for any budding content producers or people who, you know, might be producing content at the moment, what would you recommend their not their strategy, but I guess their their outlook. I mean, is there a recommended amount of content to be putting out, or how how would you how would how would you look at things? Oh, I actually have a, like a, a practical advice. You know, don't think of the short term. Be super intentional about how you want to be known for. If when it comes to personal branding, people think it's something that you organically find. But if I have to give advice to anyone who wants to build up their voice or build up their personal brand. Like if think of five years ahead of time and like think about the legacy you want to be known for. What kind of reputation legacy do you want people to know you about and reverse engineer that? Yeah, fantastic. Big question for you. How, how do you find that balance between the creative aspect of your job and then obviously the, the marketing side? Is, is that an ongoing battle or do you have a process to manage that? Um, I just recently restructured my business because I used to do everything and that wasn't sensible because I'm much better being the creative director or strategist for a lot of campaigns and projects and then I find the teams to execute it for me. So I have my own team that does all the execution implementation and I, I guide them still but I'm much better on the top funnel. Yeah, fantastic. Whether it be the talent or the brain. The talent meaning like people help People like brands and stuff wants me to create content on their behalf and using my voice and my channels and my distribution networks or the brands meaning that I tell them um, how to leverage their video to get the most eyeballs or most conversion. So to go from content creator uh, to building a team and there's a lot of people out there that are in a very similar boat. How do I scale? How do I take that off, take some of those day-to-day jobs off my plate. What was the most important hire do you, have you found um, in your business to date? My PA. <laughs> <laughs> you already met her. She's called Snowy. She's like a time magician. Um, and I remember like um, I couldn't, because um, I travel so much. Um, and usually what her role is to make sure my calendar, like, you know, sometimes it takes half an hour just to have a conversation with someone to talk about the time, schedule, location, um, and also uh, making sure the time zones is right on point, right? <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't work out for me and Rye today, but usually <laughs> it's on point. Yeah. So, because otherwise I'd be wasting 30 minutes to an hour sometimes just talking about like one calendar moment. And what I realize is that that one hour is taken away from my time to be more creative and do my best work. It's really about putting that value on what's actually bringing in the most amount of revenue and where can you build the most amount of value and really mm-hmm. doing that assessment within the business. Is that what is that what you're saying? Yes, pretty much. And also, like, um, I learn how to delegate better as well and give them formats and better clear instructions. So I do have, like, a um, behind me... I'm allowed to travel around the world and have more flexibility than most people because I don't. I was actually setting up an agency and I realized I didn't want that lifestyle. I didn't want to stay in one place. I wanted to see what the future looks like, so I could bring that information back to my clients. You value my like insight. 
So with that obviously comes that flexibility, freedom, you've like you've just mentioned. Creativity. Mm. My thinking is more about creativity and for me to be creative, I want to know what's the next trending thing. So with within your team, um, is it just yourself creating content or do you try and, I guess, build a process and train the people within your team to start adopting the string way of thinking? It depends on what they want because, like, I find that to retain clients, talent, good talent, is making sure that they align with your mission, but also understanding where they want to grow mm-hmm. and supporting them with their growth. Because if they grow, I grow as well. And um, I just recently uh, partnered up with a animation company. So because I do feel like animation overlay is going to be a growing trend on LinkedIn next year, because at the moment I see the rise of bad videos. And bad videos means like, oh, that's an opportunity to stand out with better production. Yeah, fantastic. Congratulations on that partnership, by the way. That looks very, very, very exciting. Yes, especially when it comes to explaining videos and retaining intention. Um, and I'm a strong believer of sharing what I know. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to like, um, seeing how I go use animations for, uh, in 2019, like content production mm-hmm. and stuff. Fantastic. So when you talk bad video, and a few of these come to mind myself, but for the audience, do you have examples of what you would classify as a bad LinkedIn video? What are, what are people doing yeah. at the moment that you would say, please stop, <laughs> let's start doing it better? Having no intention. That's wasting people's att- attention. So no intention, no purpose. They're just doing it for the sake of doing it or don't know what direction they're going is wasting their time per se, per se and wasting people's who are watching their video. Um, if you like, just want to like find your voice and trying to like build your brand, that's great. But for people who are already a bit more polished or have a personal brand, uh, at least like um, create videos with intention and purpose and have a strong call to action. Uh, bad. I don't like videos with shakiness into it or, uh, or bad audio or bad lighting. Because at least, like, you know, like, make an effort. Um, get trained at least. It's not that hard. Watch other people. Learn from it. And, uh, you know, I, I, if you're starting out, I only give you 30 days to, like, get better. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, with with all the videos and all the equipment that we've got out there at the moment, it's a bit of a no-brainer really, isn't it? Well, you don't really need to, like, um, spend high-tech or Canon SLRs. Your mobile is already your biggest tool already. And... Um, but you know, some of the basics and stuff like that, like, you know, it's other people say, do it, you know, uh, do it anyway, but it actually hurts your brand a little bit. Now that you've seen so many bad videos, you probably should at least look at it and it's like, what can I learn from mm-hmm. those bad videos? So with that said, I've noticed that on Facebook, average watch times can be between seven and 10 seconds. So we're yes. now ultimately at the point in time where people do actually have the attention span of a goldfish on LinkedIn how long would you suggest people's videos run do you do you find that people watch video for a bit longer on LinkedIn or should they just be nice short sharp snippets of video content well my I have a reputation of creating succinct videos um, and I've been experimenting with them and it's still you have to understand that LinkedIn's model of the feed is very similar to Facebook's feed um, and most professionals also don't put sound on when they watch videos. 
you have to have closed captions if you have anything more than um, two-minute videos or anything longer. You need clo closed captions, especially if you're doing talking heads or presentations or you're talking directly to the camera. Like these, you need closed captions because people really want to have and watch it, but they, your retain, retention is better when there's closed captions. People know them as subtitles. You know those bits yep. on the bottom? Yep. And the first and second should be something that you should develop and hone in because the first and second means that uh, am I going to watch this video or not? Mm -hmm. So that end. real hook right at the start. Yes. Yeah. Don't be like, hey, I'm Rai <laughs> and I like traveling. You should like find out what's the, the most awesome hook that you could grab their attention with. So hit them hard at the start. I'll, I'll make sure I keep that in mind for my future videos. I'll have to go back and do a bit of an edit. Uh, so when it comes to live video, do you have any tips for anybody out there, um, not just with regards to um, video content or technique, but talking distribution, length of time um, and content? So if you just wanted to give us a run through as to your thoughts on, on live video, that'd be great. LinkedIn, um, just to answer your one, LinkedIn is best. It's like two, three minute spots. Um, with live, my, the way that I do it when I interviewed over 400 and 500 people around conferences is my goal is to make it rewatchable. So that means like, uh, um, making them less than five minutes or less. Mm -hmm. Because I want my KPI is to rewatch it, and plus it doesn't need necessary editing, but it still has that authenticity and realness, and asking relevant questions, um, and making that person laugh, the interviewee laugh is really important to me. When you've got a live video, when it's coming up, or you know that you're going to be streaming, is it better to be spontaneous and just go with a live video and have people notified, or? Is it better to announce the fact that you're going live at a particular point in time? Well, it's like a channel, right? Um, the best ones that are in terms of growth is like doing it at the same time at the same day, like a TV show. It, if you, it's the same with any other like channels. So the one that grows the best pushes out content every day. Okay, so that would be your your tip if you're a content producer or trying to get a brand together. That regularity mm -hmm. of content is is key. Yeah, because like um, a person who pushes out every day super high value content versus someone who pushes out once a month. Who do you think is going to grow more faster? Absolutely, the day the daily the nuggets of gold. Yes, absolutely. Um, so moving, I guess, from the video, and and I can see that you've got your uh, brand marker being fried chicken. How did that all come to be and, and how have you found that um, to, to be enhancing your personal and your business brand? Well, my, um, I have my own theory about personal brand application and I go break it down. It's called the seven Bs. Once you have vision, values, folk, which is a folk, um, German word for people, folk, visuals, voice, validation and victory. Victory is about making bank. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna stop. When we caught up for coffee, that was probably the best thing that I took away from me sitting down and having a latte with you. Your seven V's um, is 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 gold. Cool. Um, seven V's is my brand amplification and my theory about how to grow your personal brand. 
if you have the vision, which is your North Star, what drives you? And it's not your goals. It's your vision that you're thinking about five to 10 years. It's like your legacy. Your values is your personal framework. It's like, you know, what do you believe in? Like, for example, I believe in creativity and innovation. And what do you believe in? So it allows you to say yes and no to projects and yes to no to people that aligns with your values because mm-hmm. it's your tribe as well. Vogue is your is German word for people, like Volkswagen, people for cars. Um, and it's who are your audience? What kind of like content are you creating for them to allow them to like say, yes, I want to learn more from you. Uh, your visuals, for me, visuals is like fried chicken. And every time someone thinks about fried chicken, they think of me. And it could be, you have to, there are two sides of visuals. Your online side, your logos or your digital assets and how you present. So even the way you dress is part of your visual. Like your face is your brand. Voice, voice is all about content creation and about how you articulate your key messages. Mm-hmm. A validation, there's always about like numbers, right? You want to know if you're growing or converting at all. So what are your KPIs and your metrics of success? And victories, like how do you monetize all this? When you grow, grow your influence, you should start monetizing. Do you want to do this full time? Do you want to even like start like monetizing on your content? Think about monetization from day one. I think that's really powerful. And I think if a lot more brands and businesses lived by the seven V's, I think they'd start to see a lot more success, a lot more traction and, and really getting that engagement that everybody wants from their audience. So I, I think that's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. But it's also like an acts like a good audit as well. So if you listen to that and you're thinking, do I, you know, do I, my brand have any aspects of this and what am I missing? Then you should start thinking about breaking it down that way. But that's why it's such a good framework because mm. it acts like an audit as well. Yeah, that's great. So something that people can go back to at a, at a certain point and check in with and go, oh, hang on a second, my fifth or sixth V's aren't in line and I can go yes, back yes. and yeah, make some changes. And if anyone wants to like download the seven Vs, I have a cheat sheet called stringstory.co slash seven Vs and they could download themselves. Fantastic. I just want to turn the attention back to the business side. I think some of the stuff that you said with regards to, you know, hiring your PA uh, to hire, to, to free you up, to um, focus on other um, aspects of your business. I, I think that's really important and you know, we're all on this business journey together. Uh, I started in 2015 as well, so it's really interesting to hear you know, what channels and, and platforms you've used to, to get to where you are now. Um, what, what's been your biggest, I guess, learning, uh, frustration um, and battle and challenge within business and doing what you do um, so far? Uh, finances. Um, <laughs> well, like a lot of people yeah. don't talk about this openly. No. And um, I've been able to travel quite a lot because of my community. It doesn't mean like my finances is like I realize like cash flow is something I should have dealt with early on in my business life. But it, like I guess it becomes more like a habit and like your parents is also an indicator of how you treat money. And I didn't have the education from my parents. So it was like a long battle with myself and facing it full on and challenging myself. It's like I should really like understand cash flow and numbers because it's controlling, you know, it's it's part of your business. If you don't know your numbers or if you don't know where the cash is coming in, you can't pay people on time as well. Otherwise, they get upset with you and then you lose the trust. And if you if you don't look after them properly or if you can't pay properly, just communicate it to them somehow. Mm-hmm. 
But if you're running businesses, your responsibility is paying people on time and get, making sure the cash flow is on point. Absolutely. One of the biggest lessons I've uh, I've taken away in business as well. It's you, you you hear it all the time. Cash cash is king, but until you're actually living and breathing it, it's a completely completely different story. Especially in the uh, creative game, I suppose. Do you yeah, think Do you yeah. think people um, just as a bit of a segue? Do you think people put or value creative services as much as they value a visit to their accountant or lawyer, for example? I don't. I think everyone treats like accountants as like a, a trip to a dentist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I have to like relearn how to. Um, actually, people run away from money all the time. But what have we realized we need to do is like find the root of our causes and take a re-narrative shape to it, saying no, like you know, I do have a bad relationship with money, but I really can't run away from this because. We're living much longer these days. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, we have like superannuation, but our super is not going to us to live well and comfortably to the way we live to the 80s or when we're, to, when we're up to 100. And regarding creativity, I do think um, people – it depends. It's just like creative people don't know how to ask or value themselves. So in turn, other businesses don't know how to value them. Mm-hmm. So I guess talking about the financial side – how, I guess, how did you get started? And and also on the other side is if there are people out there who are great at what they do, they might be a graphic designer, they might love video production. How do you, how do you build that business when you start out with nothing? And how did you go about doing that within your business? Well, I guess like I make more, it's interesting because like uh, being an influencer or a content producer that has a well-known storytelling brand allowed me to dictate my terms so if like sometimes like people ask me to do things for free and i flipped the pitch or script and said hey what you're asking for is considered influence marketing and how about if i create um and then you set the terms and package to them and the cost as well um but make sure that the value is worth it to the point they say yes if they say no, that means like your package is not good or you don't know how to cater to that person in the first place. Sure. So the biggest validation is allowing someone to say yes to you. So when you have market product fit is when people say yes to that package all the, t- all the time or they keep on asking questions, which means that they want it, but they want something else on top of it. So asking to ask is like the biggest thing that any businesses, graphic designer, a BD should do really well. How did you find your first client? Mm, by meeting a lot of people, I guess. So networking. Like I go networking. I'm a networker. Finding your strength, right? Like I've been one of the reasons why I had a, such a wide network is because I help connect people with other good people as well. Mm-hmm. So getting back to that 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 V, the values, I suppose. Yes, the value is like also like knowing your values, but also your personal values. Because I only work with people who has similar values to what I do as well. Excellent. So, advice to people who are looking for their first client is getting out in network. the community, network, but also provide value. People, I hate it when people go out to me is like, "Can I pick your brain?" Or can let's go for coffee. But all they do is make it into a one-sided conversation and never provide value to the other person. Mm-hmm. 
absolutely. So it's very, very give and take. It needs to be a two-way street. Definitely. I'm genuinely interested to hear about how this fried chicken thing came about. It's all over my feed. It's everywhere. I love it. Um, Why do us- you love it so much anyway? I, Why do you love like well, something of fried chicken? Well, what I love about it is, is I've never seen you eat any. So, I think you're using a brand mark very well. It's a talking point. There's a little emoji every time I see your content. It's on there. You've got stuff printed on hats and shirts. You know, it could be anything, but the fact from my perspective is you've owned it. You've got complete ownership of something completely random. And there's just so many brand integrations when you start really thinking about uh, the potential, um, there's so many avenues to go down. So I do find it quite interesting myself. So for everyone listening out there, how, yeah, how did that come to be? Well, I always liked fried chicken because uh, oh, one of the things when I did when a couple of years ago when I started doing, you know, traveling around the world and I have such a wide network, I thought the most efficient use of my time is to meet my online friends offline. But it'd be better if it was like some kind of party or meetup. So I decided to organize fried chicken parties. Nice. That's just one. But I kept on talking about it online, but everyone kept on like, um, you know how I talk about validation? Mm -hmm. Every day around the world, someone will send me a fried chicken story. Like yesterday, one of my friends ordered, uh, we went to a Japanese place and he ordered karagi. I didn't even ask for karagi. He's just like, let's get karagi. (laughs) So what I do is I triggers people's, emotional needs for fried chicken because everyone loves fried chicken mm-hmm. and it's also top of mind marketing right so every time that people think of fried chicken they think of me so i kind of associated my brand to fried chicken and personal branding and branding is all about uh, entry points of relatability and i just like use fried chicken as a way to associate me with me so every time someone thinks of fried chicken or KFC or see something, they think of me. Like they, it might not be related to marketing, but they think of me. And that's all I need to do in terms of making people think of business. They just think of me. And marketing is all about like being memorable. Mm-hmm. So if the so if the colonel's listening, we'll get we'll get the KFC deal coming through. Well, definitely. I, I'm going for the second tier of people actually. So next year I'm going to uh, at least close one deal with a. Five, a fried chicken brand at least once in my lifetime. Fantastic. Yeah, is there anything else you want to sort of talk about at all? Have we have we covered? Well, if anything, it'd be great if everyone could follow me on LinkedIn because if you want to know how to leverage LinkedIn video ads or video, definitely follow me because 2019 is just going to be another big year for me of experimentation and implementing what I learned into other brands um, and campaigns as well. So if people follow you, they, they have a look at what you do, taking a few tips and tricks from, from what you're doing, they're going to be held in pretty good stead in 2019. Pretty much because like I'm going to be pushing quite a lot of content on video strategies and um, if you see me doing random things, there's a reason for it. Yeah. There's, there's always a reason on social media. It's uh, perception versus reality a lot of the time. Yeah, I have the best channel to experiment on. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for inviting me. Easy. Have a good one. Bye. Enjoy Queensland. Make sure you subscribe to the Sprout podcast to ensure you don't miss out on any of this awesome advice. In our next episode, I'll be joined by Matt and Mitch from Bella 
an app that's just secured $160,000 worth of funding. We're going to deep dive into how they got started, where the idea came from, and some of the challenges that startups and entrepreneurs face when coming up with their next big idea. I'm Ryan Smith, helping you stay on top of your digital marketing game. If you had any questions or queries, feel free to reach out at rye at sprukedigital.com.au or visit our website at www.sprukedigital.com.au.